That's a good time to get them out. I'm thankful for prayer. It's been a topic around here lately, and I'm thankful for it. It's important. Got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 12 and Jonah chapter 1. This is how it is. I've got a long intro and three short points. Long intro and three short points. From the intro, you're going to think I'm preaching a different message, but I assure you it's not. I just am using it as an intro. As we go through this morning, we want to keep a bookmark in Matthew. So we'll be coming back to this book later in the message. Man, I love the Word of God. I love Sunday school. I love Sunday night. I love Sunday morning, Sunday night. I love fellowship. I love potlucks. Maybe disproportionately so. But I love being with God's people. There's no place I'd rather be. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would uh, see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. And it's good to point out the whale's belly. Some people say, well, it says a big fish. It does in other parts of Scripture. But also Jesus himself said the whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Jump to Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. Pharisees just can't leave it alone. It's just a few chapters later. Just can't leave it alone. They're, they're looking for a sign other than Jonah. Matthew 16, 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came tempting, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, be, be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today for the sky is uh, red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but, you, but, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Jesus keeps pointing back to Jonah, keeps pointing back to Jonah. And, 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 and we know if you've been saved for any amount of time, that will never change. You will always have a world that's seeking after a sign. Uh, um, I, had, um, um, I had a couple co-workers, and I won't spend too long because I hit this on Wednesday because it, it happened on Wednesday. But it, um, I was talking to a couple co-workers, and, and uh, one's, uh, well, stand filter smaller information we won't be here all day um i asked them i said um we're talking about bible and at work and and i asked them i said if if the god of the bible were true would you become a christian and both of them with different backgrounds him and hod one said no and the other one said i don't know which means what you're not being intellectually honest and i told them and and be careful i'd be used as a meme here but if the I would say, if, the, if Allah of the Quran were true, I would worship him. But he is not. Right. But he is not. 
And then and we, we got into talking about that. And, 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 and the one that said uh, uh, maybe he wasn't sure, he said he, he, he would only be convinced if, if God literally came down and talked to him in human form and performed all these miracles to show that he was God. And my reply was, he did. <laughs> he did. He not only did that, I mean, a lot of people still didn't believe. Many believed. But just performing miracles doesn't mean that you're going to believe. And Jesus knew who he was talking to. It was the Pharisees. And he just kept pointing to Jonah. If you're not going to believe the prophet Jonah, you're not going to believe me. Amen. Uh, he didn't just come down in, 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 in flesh and, and, and perform all these miracles and do all these things. Uh, but he was prophesied about for thousands of years, and he fulfilled literally all the very, very, very specific prophecies. Only one person could fulfill all that. You, only God could predict when you're going to be born, when you're going to die, and when you're going to raise from the dead, amen, and then do all of them. Amen. At the end of the day, it's not a belief in, is the God of the Bible real? It's, do I want to worship the God of the Bible? That's what it is at the end of the day. Amen. Brother Tony, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir? Amen. Jesus talking to the Pharisees here. Jesus telling him, all you need is Jonah for a sign. You want a sign? Look at Jonah. What, what was Jonah's message to Nineveh? Repent. What, what was, what was um, John the Baptist's message? Repent. What was Jesus' message? Repent. Um, uh, I'm sure uh, Adam and Eve's message would be, hey, <laughs> repent, don't sin. It's not worth it. If anybody were to say it's not worth it, I'm sure Adam and Eve had much to say about the thing. Amen. And without a doubt, there's a lot of typology that, 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 that Jonah points to with Christ. Jesus himself said it. And what's wonderful is anybody can see it for themselves. Amen. Jesus spent three days in the heart of the earth. Jonah spent three days in the belly of the well. Not the same place, but rather typology. Uh, believe it or not, this isn't the message, but a long intro. <laughs> Amen. I got an entire message, really, I did uh, a few months back. Amen. Um, and feel free to look it up, amen, or check out these verses for a quick reference if you're watching online. Luke chapter 16, verse 22, the story of Lazarus and the rich man describing Abraham's bosom across from the place of torment. First Peter 3, when Jesus went and preached to the saints in prison, also known as the holding place of the saints who are gone before us. Ephesians chapter 4, when Christ came up from the grave and left captivity captive. Second Corinthians 12, showing that paradise is now up in the third heaven. I love that verse. And, of course, don't forget the thief on the cross when Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Not in three days, not in two days. He said, Today. So that day, Jesus and the thief went somewhere. In Luke 23. That verse goes hand in hand with Psalm 16.10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Jesus Christ did not see corruption. So we see the typology of Christ all over Jonah. But there's other similarities between Jonah and Christ that we see that are often overlooked. Point number one, sound asleep in the boat. 
Both Jesus and Jonah found themselves sound asleep in the boat. Amen. Turn to Jonah chapter 1. Keep your place in Matthew. We'll be there in a moment. Turn to Jonah chapter 1. 1. One thing that we can say about the book of Jonah is, is it, goes, it goes right into the story, man. I mean, Jonah 1, 1, boom, you are in the story. You are reading. Uh, it's not Leviticus. It's not Numbers. There's no preface. There's no long intro like Pastor Gunther did this morning. I mean, like, blam, Jonah 1, 1, right in the story. Jonah 1, 1. Now the word Lord came into Jonah, the son of uh, <clears throat> Amity saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken." Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down to the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Jonah was fast asleep when you would think that there's no way you could sleep during a storm in a boat. And, and these weren't like um, modern day boats. Turn to Matthew chapter 8 verse 23. Matthew chapter 8, 23. Might want to keep a place in Jonah too. Say, Pastor, you're killing me with the turning. That's okay. It's good practice. Amen. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And when he was entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. How could God be worried when he's God? The answer is he don't. So even God in the flesh could so sleep so good. Amen. And it's so easy to see how a child of God who knows their Bible, has proven God a time or two, can have peace in the face of trials. And boy, if there's a message I could ever get across to any Christian at any level in their walk with Christ, is to try God, try him, prove him. It will literally change your life. How do you do that? By listening to his word. How do you listen to his word? Read it. Study it. Learn it. Try it. You don't have to turn there, but Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace of they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I am thankful for a peace that God gives us. Amen. You cannot get that outside of salvation. It just doesn't happen. The more that we let go and we let God, the more we find a peace that the world can't explain. But it's really easy to understand God sleeping through a storm. And this is what I'm getting to this morning. 
That's easy to understand. But how can a rebellious, backslidden preacher slash prophet who's literally running from the Lord in the middle of this massive storm, how can he be sleeping good? That was the question I had a couple of nights ago. Point number two is the answer to the question. Jonah was already backslidden. He didn't begin to backslide the moment when, when Jesus said to Noah, hey, Noah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And when he turned and went to Tarshish, that, that wasn't the moment he began to backslide. He, he started to backslide long before then. God, God already knew the heart of Jonah before he even asked him. That wasn't a surprise to God what Jonah would do, amen. Jonah was a backslidden before he heard God give him directions in his life in the first place, Amen. God only gives us, what's Jonah, four chapters, five chapters, six, four chapters? God only gives us a small window in Jonah's life. He was a preacher. He was a prophet, right? He was, um, say the word right, he was forth-telling the word of God. They, they say the right one? Amen. I, wanna, I don't want to get that wrong. But God used Jonah without a doubt. We know Jonah is the, the, the preacher that got mad. You know, he didn't want to witness to the lost souls. And they were horrible people. I, I, we did a whole message on Nineveh one day. They're awful people. Uh, cannibalistic at times. Like awful torture you type of people, right? And, 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 and um, secular history tells us that Jonah may have known a lot of people personally that were tortured and murdered. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But we do know that Nineveh was some awful people. Jonah didn't want to go. What I'm getting at is we just see a small window. God may have used Jonah in such great ways before and or after the, piece, the window of history that we see. And before, uh, uh, before Jonah began to even backslide, God might have used him in some great, great ways. That we don't even know about. It kind of throws out, I don't know, not a red flag, but a a warning sign to somebody like me. And it ought to everyone in here that, hey, if a preacher of God, a preacher of God could be serving the Lord and backslide so much to hate a group of people. Because sometimes that's easy to hate people. It's easy to get in the flesh. I stand behind a pulpit, but I'm, I got 265 pounds of flesh on me. That's a lot of flesh to have to tame, amen. Amen. But prophets and preachers have never been above sin. Every preacher is and has been and will be tempted by sin at some point in their life. Maybe all the time, maybe every day. Some marriages hide things from each other. Healthy marriages don't. I don't want to hide anything from my God. I know people personally that that the, the, the woman, I don't have nothing up here. The woman will say, this is my purse. This is mine. You can't touch it. You can't go in it. How dare you touch my purse? It's mine. And then the husband will say, well, this is my wallet. You can't, this is mine. This is my ear. You can't touch my wallet. It's my wallet. Well, who stinking cares? 
If you got nothing to hide, she can look at my wallet all day long. And I should be able to look in her purse all day long. And sometimes when I have to go in there, I hate it. Because it's awful. And it's just a big abyss of what I deem is unorganized and messy like my truck. Our phones. Men talk at work how they don't want their wives or their girlfriends to see their phones. Why? Because you got something to hide. There should be nothing to hide between a husband and a wife. And there should be nothing to hide between the, the one true love that it ought to be in our lives. Amen. Nothing to hide. We should open about everything. Jonah, in a backslidden state, he was already a backslidden preacher before God even called him to go to Nineveh. And in a knee-jerk reaction to the one true love in his life, he runs from where he's supposed to be. And can I tell you that doesn't happen overnight. The day, the day we got married, me and Rachel, this wife, me, me and Rachel, she's my only wife, amen. The day we got married, oh, we didn't have smartphones then, did we? My analogy is going to be horrible. The, the day we got married, there was nothing that we were hiding from each other. We were in so love, so much love. And there, at, at some point, there might, oh, there you are, Rachel, hiding behind Miss Donna there and Miss Ruth. At some point in some people's marriages and relationships and whatever relationship is, there comes a point when sin creeps in, you start hiding a little more. Until so you come to a point where I don't want her to see nothing. I got to hide this. I got to hide. I got to delete, delete, delete. Don't see that text. That doesn't happen overnight. But yet when people fall into sin so often, they will make themselves sound like a victim and make themselves sound like, like they just made one mistake, like, oh, I just did this one thing and this happened. No, no. Almost every single time, it was a heartfelt, sinful desire. little step here, a little step there. Before you know it, you're hiding things. It's the same thing in any relationship especially a relationship with the Lord. Jonah was not above it. A preacher's not above it. And it happens over time until you get to a place where you're so far from, so far in sin that, listen, the sin is a comfort to you. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 14. Proverbs 6.14. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about where you can't sleep until you're satisfied with your addiction. You can't sleep until that itch is scratched. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of the evil man. Who, who is the context talking right here in this scripture? The wicked man. Look at verse 15. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Now look at this and read it carefully word for word. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. Jonah was already backslidden. And he was able to find comfort in his rebellion. He was already calloused, obviously, to the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's a sad place to be. 
Brother John talked about preachers essentially being backslidden for a moment in Sunday school. And boy, the, the, pastors are held to a higher standard, amen, and they ought to be. But what a fearful thing. What a fearful thing, amen. Jonah's no exception. How can a backslidden preacher of God get a good night's rest? By searing his heart to the fact that souls are on their way to hell. Turn back to Jonah chapter 3. We'll be done in a few minutes. Nothing proves Jonah's backslidden state any more than the fact that he was angry. That all Nineveh repented of their sin and surrendered their hearts to an almighty God. What? What? How can... That just shows how backslidden and calloused he was because he literally not only didn't care about their souls, but he wanted them all to burn in hell. He lost his love for Christ. He lost his love for souls. Church, let's not get calloused to the world. Look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. And God saw their works. He's talking about uh, uh, Nineveh. And they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil uh, that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. I tell you what, you could read verse 1, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, and ponder that for a week. And ought to bring you under conviction, you know. That the Rochester sing a song, How long has it been since your eyes filled with tears over those who are lost out in sin? When I worked on a framing crew, I, I used to be way more sensitive. But I worked on a framing crew and daily, 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 I would deal with the world. And, and, and I learned to put up walls so, so, so I don't cry very much. I can hold it back pretty good. <laughs> I used to not. But it doesn't change the fact that we ought to be sincere there ought to be some tears shed when we start thinking about moms and dads, brothers and sisters, our children. Spending eternity. Hell is bad enough. I mean, we did a whole series on what Scripture tells us what hell is. And you say, well, well it's just a metaphor. No, it's not a metaphor. No, but Scripture is very, very clear where hell is. How, uh, uh, the, how, the, 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 the sounds of hell. What hell what hell looks like, what the lake of fire looks like, what eternity will look like, where hell is going, which is a lake of fire. It ought to cause us to have compassion for some people. And, and when you have compassion, you now have, start to have some grace and some mercy. When their heads are blue and they're yelling at you with their nose rings everywhere, and it can be so easy to get in the flesh. I mean... Real easy. But they're going to hell. And some had compassion making a difference. What do we this isn't this isn't Hope Baptist Country Club. That's not the goal here. Jonah was backslidden from the beginning. A third point, and it's the shortest. 
Number three, the whale was growing. You say, well, what do you mean by that? The whale didn't appear out of thin air. You say, well, you, you can't be dogmatic about that. I believe I can. Scripture didn't say that God put a whale there, because then you could, yeah, maybe, but God has the ability to do that. Absolutely. He's God. Jonah didn't become backslidden overnight, and neither was the whale prepared overnight. Look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. God literally prepared the whale to swallow Jonah. It says, now the Lord had what? Prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I tell you this morning, friend, that if you are backslidden and you're not in the place where you're supposed to be, which is probably a lot of people a lot of the time, if we were honest with ourselves, God might just be preparing something to turn you back where you're supposed to go. And that ought to be a humbling thought. And, and, and I could sit here and dramatize it and just start naming off these awful things that God might do in your life that we would call awful, but God would mean it for our good, just like he's done all through the past. And I can tell you story after story in my life, and I'm sure many Christians here can too, things that happened in our lives that seemed awful. But looking back, we say, man, God, if that didn't happen, I would have never been in that place, and I never would have got saved, or I never would have been able to witness to my cousin God meant it for good. At the time, Jonah would have said, this is the worst thing in the world. He was backslidden, right? He was clearly backslidden the entire time of that. I would hope that nobody here this morning or watching this any time in the future online would walk away from this message and continue in sin and continue in a backslidden state expecting God to not prepare some sort of a whale or, or a whale in our life to prepare anything because God does that. God literally directs our steps but, but did you know that when we're rebellious and when we're backslidden we don't like how God directs our steps? Jonah didn't like it. But I guarantee you later in Jonah's life well, I can't say that. We don't know if Jonah ever got right. You would, you would think he would. You think after all, you, you think it'd be revival. He's, he's literally witnessing essentially revival in Nineveh, and he's mad about it. It's, it's hard to see from my point of view, but I also didn't have the hatred towards the Ninevites that he had. Some of us, we have hatred towards other groups of people. And, and, and for just cause many times, but it doesn't make it right. Just isn't right. God still died for their sins. Brother Riley made a good point, and I, I should have said it. I think it was last Sunday morning, talking about the horrific things that the Nazis did to people. And, and I talked about how our standard of righteousness, they would burn in hell for all of eternity. I'd pull the trigger, no problem. But thank God for his righteousness. That just like that wicked Nazi soldier did the horrific things we're in the same exact list of people of sin, sinners and we all 
should have the same condemnation. But here's the thing that I didn't mention that was such a good point Brother, Brother Raleigh made. It might be a small chance, but it could absolutely happen because the grace of God saved you. He could save that Nazi soldier. And we might go to heaven one day. There might be 10, there might be a 1,000 Nazi soldiers that did these horrific things, but by the grace of God, God saved them. If God could save them, he could save any one of you. We get so high and mighty, think we're better than they are. And with what they do, it's easy to think that. I thank God for his grace and his mercy. Jonah didn't have to spend three days in the belly of a whale. He didn't have to. Boy, he could have had so much revival without all the heartache. The the Israelites didn't have to spend 40 years in the wilderness. They could have walked right into Canaan. They could have conquered it. They were scared of them. Scripture tells us that. They could have had victory and revival. Their life would have been so much easier in their lives. But what do we always do? We always go to our backslidden state. We run from God, and God has to, there's consequences. He's got to direct us every time. By the way, the first time that we see Noah responding to God, as far as Scripture goes, is when he's in the belly of the whale. It doesn't have to be, church. It doesn't have to be. I'm thankful that if you ever want to see that the the paradise that Jesus was talking about to the thief when he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, you can. That Nazi can. Anybody here can. Whatever your sin is, you can be in paradise with Jesus Christ one day. It's not the prayer itself that saves you. There's not a series of words like a magic spell that gives you salvation. Too many Christians trust in that. But it's a heart confession of faith. You say, well, you got to speak it, of course. If you're you're calling upon God, I promise you, you will use your mouth. (laughs) But boy, you could call upon God if you're deaf, disabled in any way. You can call upon God right where you are. You can call upon God if you're on your couch Listen to them. If you're in your car, you can call upon God. If you're in the church house this morning, you can call upon God in your seat. You can call upon God on, on the altar. This altar isn't just for salvation, you know. It's for praying. We got too many Jonas and not enough Caleb's and Joshua's. We don't have to live in the belly of the whale, church. Amen. We can walk right into Canaan. If we're just obedient, we can just, we can just go into Nineveh. Amen. Amen. We can live victoriously. Let's, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, and help me as a pastor and a father to lead the way to follow, Lord, the, 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 the sign of Jonah. Lord, not just, not just for salvation, Lord, but for obedience in, in in righteous living and lord lord we want you to direct our steps even if we do wrong even when we're backslidden help us lord to not be like jonah lord help us to live victoriously and not in the symptom of our sin i love you lord and i thank you for this message thank you for your word and the power of it lord i pray that you move in